You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Good morning. Good to see you all. Hey, uh, we are in the middle of this series. We're calling it Iconic. We're looking at the life of Jesus as he interacts with different individuals. Um, we started the first week looking at Mary Magdalene. Last week, we looked at the children, what childlike faith looks like. And this week, we're looking at the life of Peter, at least the, the calling of Peter as, as Jesus calls him um, to be one of his disciples. Not that Peter. I saw those eyes at me. Um, we're not talking about you, but you haven't made it into to gospel level yet. Um, but one day, one day, uh, what we're really talking about is, is trusting God. What does trusting God really look like? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be at Luke chapter 5. Um, and I'll say this. Uh, when I work on sermons, usually like you have a direction. Like you just, you sit down with God and the Spirit and like you start figuring things out. Uh, this one was a struggle bus. Uh, I wasn't figuring things out. They weren't just coming naturally to me. And then I realized halfway through prepping the sermon that it was because God was speaking to my heart in the midst of this. And it's really hard to teach on something that God's speaking to your heart on, uh, at least elegantly and well. Um, So this may be a little bit of a mess. We may be all over the place today. But today we're going to learn together what does trusting God really look like. And we're going to dig into that idea. But Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Your verses should be on the screen. One day... As Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats uh, that belonged to Simon and asked him to to row out a little from the shore. Uh, We'll we'll stop there just for a second and and paint this picture. Um, I think oftentimes we we think of this moment as like... um, um, this moment in time where Peter, inter- Peter who's, who's Simon in this story, uh, has a choice to make to follow Jesus. We, we think it's like uh, all, all of a sudden in this moment, Jesus shows up. He's never seen Jesus before, and now he has this choice to ra- drastically change his life. And though God does work that way sometimes, that isn't how God worked that way in this story and in most stories. See, what we don't know about Simon Peter oftentimes, or at least we, we forget, is he's, he's already encountered Jesus. He's encountered Jesus a couple of times at this point. Not only that, just a chapter before this, we see Jesus actually in Simon Peter's home healing his mother-in-law. It's like he's, he's witnessed the miracles, right? But this miracle was, was a little bit different. Um, this miracle kind of hit much closer to home for Peter, and this one kind of changed everything for him, and this uh, changed the trajectory of his life, um, which we'll look at today. But Paul, or Peter, is... is rowing Jesus out just a little bit from the shore. These boats are 20, 30 feet long. Um, so it, it takes a couple of people. So there's probably a little bit of a crowd on this, on this boat with, with Jesus as he teaches. And Jesus sits down and, and keeps teaching. Uh, this is verse, the second part of verse 3. Then he sat down, this is Jesus, and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into the deep water and let your nets uh, out for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we've caught nothing. Now, put yourself in just for a second in Peter's shoes. 
It's really easy to read stories like this and, and glaze over everything that's actually going on. See, fishermen of this day, they live paycheck to paycheck. Most of them weren't wealthy. Um, they, whatever they caught that day, they brought to the markets, they sold them, and that's what provided for their family that day. So if he's coming in from the shore without a catch that day, he's probably pretty stressed out. He's probably thinking as they're rowing back, like, what can I sell or what odd job can I get to, to take care of my family and get food on the table today? And then here comes in Jesus, like, mm, dagger to the heart. Let's, let's get right at the real issue here. And he goes, hey, take your boat out. He's like, Jesus, are you serious? Like, do you not know? Like, one, you don't fish, it, you don't fish for these fish during the day. That's dumb. They, they, they go way deep. It. I'm not, my nets are going to go that far. It's going to come with all these different excuses. God, do you not realize what's going on? Like, God, I understand that you're, you're or sorry, Jesus, that I understand that you're, you know, you're, the, you're the, the prophet and you're the one speaking of God and you know religious things, but like, I'm a fisherman. I know how to fish. This ain't going to work. And I think oftentimes when, when Jesus speaks to those, those parts of our hearts, those parts that long, those parts that are stressed, those parts that are anxious, like we, we get to this place of, that Jesus starts to poke. He pokes for good reason. Because these are the areas he wants to dig into. These are the areas he wants to provide freedom from. These are the areas he wants you to grow and, and mature in. So these aren't the stresses of your life moving forward. But it's in these moments, and, and for, for Peter, like he had a choice. And this is how Jesus likes to work. He likes to provide an invitation. I was just reading in, in towards the end of the book of Luke today, uh, and Jesus heals 10 leopards. And before he heals the 10 leopards, he says, hey, go to the temple um, and present yourselves there. And on their way, they come there, they find out that they're, they've been healed. One of them comes back and worships Jesus. And then Jesus gets angry and goes, where's the other nine? Uh, but there's this invitation that, that, that gets introduced. And there's this invitation that God's constantly giving to us. And this invitation is this, trust me. Trust me. I've been on this crazy journey of trusting God over the last, well, I've been on this journey my entire life, but uh, for this last year, really specifically, I've got God saying, no, no, I need you to really trust me. Like, this is going to be hard. See, the thing I've learned about trusting God is that trusting God never gets easier because you're trusting God for even bigger things. Sure, it gets easier with the stuff that you've trusted God with, but but God's still growing us and maturing us. And it, it, it's bigger things that he's asking us to trust him in. It's, hey, I want to talk about that pain of your life. Trust me. Let's talk about it. Hey, I want you to chase this dream. But God, that dream's not possible. I know, but trust me. Right? It, it, it's this relationship that God's trying to build inside of us. It's, hey, God, I feel like I need this sin. I can't let this sin go. And Jesus is saying, trust me. I've got you. And this is the Christian life. This is what Jesus set this all up to be. It's trusting Jesus at a deeper level. In, in this, this account in, in the Gospel of Matthew is recorded there as well. And we, we steal from that account kind of the, 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 the target or the aim for Hill City. Right? Jesus tells us in, John, or in uh, Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what we're called to be as the church. But what's a disciple? And in Matthew 4.19, the, the same account here in, in, in different words and language, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's how we define disciple. Disciples here at Hill City are people that know and follow Jesus, are changed by Jesus, and are on mission with Jesus. This whole sermon is about being knowing and following Jesus. 
It's about obedience. When Jesus says do something, our, our response should be to do it. When Jesus says, hey, go this direction, our response to be go that direction. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't seem logical. But if you feel like God's leading you that direction and your community is agreeing with you, you better, you better start running that direction. And this is, the, this is the choice or the invitation that got presented to, to Peter in this moment. He's saying, hey, I want you to do something. I know this is hard. I know you're freaking out. I know in all logical aspects, this is stupid. This isn't when you go fishing. I get it. I know that this is taking away from your time to go uh, you know, do that odd job so you can provide for your family today. There's some emphasis and extra language I added there. That's not all in Scripture. But he gets a choice. But God, I, not today. Maybe, maybe next time, though, when I see you. No, that's, that's not Peter's response, and our response shouldn't be the same. shouldn't be that way either. But if we get to that, that response, let me kind of talk you through this journey. This is where things are going to get a little difficult to follow, but follow with me because my mind's a little bit difficult to follow at times and a little bit all over the place. <clears throat> These are my journals. These are my journaling Bibles. They're half Bible, half, half blank pages. Uh, this is how I talk with God uh, in the mornings um, or in the afternoons or whenever I'm spending time with God that day um, or multiple times a day. <clears throat> Um, and I write down prayers, thoughts, ideas, things that I feel like God's prompted me down here. And now I have a record of those things. So th- these Bibles start in September. Um, and then September uh, is about the time that, that God started to work on my heart of, hey, I want you to trust me. Now, I didn't know the lesson I was learning was trust me when this started. It, it came from a place of, God, I desperately need you. So I'm going to read you some entries. It's going to be a little bit vulnerable for me, but I'm going to try. Um, bear with me in the midst of it all. But this is uh, the first entry I want to read to you is in September 25th of last year. I'm in Spokane, Washington. Some of us, most of the, most of the equipment here was donated to us by a sister church. So we had to drive up, pick up the trailer and bring the equipment back. And we're up in Spokane at this time. Um, and it's September 25th is, um, sorry, is a month uh, from when my dad passed away. So it's on the top of my mind. sorry lord i love you uh i love i I thank you uh for going to the cross for me and for my dad i love that you pursued me and that you found us i love uh, that you've called me to more Uh, help me know how to create dependence on you and help others do the same. God, I need you to show up and be present. God, I miss my dad a lot today. And I wish, and I, <clears throat> I wish that I loved and engaged uh, him more. But God, help me, help my depth of, of love and depth of reliance increase in you so I miss him the same. So I miss you as much as I miss him. Here's this moment, I'm just asking God, God, I, I need to trust you more. I didn't know that's what I was asking, but that's what I was asking. Like, God, bring this dependence out of me. Uh, some days went by before I spent time with Jesus again. Um, and five days later, I spent time with him again. Uh, God, the enemy's winning. I'm doubting so much. 
God, my love language is gifts, and the more thoughtful the gift, the more I feel loved. But I don't think you show love in this way anymore. I know the verses. I know what they say. But God, in my experience, you don't intervene in this way. Oh, I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. Um, God, I'm starting to spin. God, I'm not sure what to do. But help me learn how to depend on you. Right now, I'm confused. Gosh, I'm a poet. (laughs) Super strange and weird. This is how this day ended. I wrote this out, and at this point, there's a, there's a stress in my life that was showing itself, and we were just starting Hill City, and um, plenty of other stresses were, were about to come. Uh, and it's, it says, this is how I ended. I'm believing you, have al- you, I'm believing you already have a plan, and I'm going to try not to worry. Even if, you really, even if things get really bad at first, I will trust that your plan is best. Uh, and then God did something that day. I met with a friend of mine. I went back and looked at my calendar because I'm like, what? Something happened. Um, so maybe that conversation went really well. I should go back to that friend and ask what we talked about because I don't remember. But uh, October 1, the next day, I wrote this. God, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm glad you know the stresses that, um, that take me. I'm editing things out on the fly here, guys. Um, maybe this will always be the thorn in the side. Maybe this is the thing that's always going to be around. Um, But God, I am believing you will come through. Uh, Thank you for pulling me out of this so quickly. Um, Thank you for your timing. Thank you for pulling me out of this funk. And if you went through the rest of these journals, um, you would find this this journey of faith, of this this up and down journey. Where there'd be great days of, I believe that God is, is in the midst of all these things. I believe that God is at work. I believe that I'm following Jesus and I'm seeing fruit of following Jesus. And then there's these deep, deep lows of, God, where are you? And if you follow Peter's journey, he, he follows that same path. Right? We see high highs where, where he's walking on water. And we see low lows where he's denying Jesus ever, that he ever knew him. There's this up and down journey, but what we see, even though this, is, this, this journey of, of trusting God is a, is a roller coaster, if we keep trusting God, we keep learning how to trust God, even though it's up and down, if we, if we scale back enough and get on the micro level, that, that chart is still moving upwards and to the left. I'm still growing in trust, still growing in deeper reliance. We just got to foster the relationship to see these things. This is why our relationship with Jesus becomes so important. It's our source of everything. When Jesus was tempted in, in the wilderness, what Jesus' response to, to the enemy was, you know, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? That should be the place and our source of all these things. So now we, we bring it all the way. What is this nine months worth of, of walking with Jesus in, in this journey? And if we had more time, we could walk through all the different elements that Jesus has taught me in these places. But similar we'll see in, in, in Peter's story here. It starts with a selfish need. And for me, it was a selfish need. God, I have this need in front of me and and I need you to provide for these things. But it's all about me, 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 me. To where we come today and the dreams that God has given me that I didn't have before if I didn't walk through this, this season, they're not about me anymore. They're about what could happen in his kingdom. What could Hill City be and do in this neighborhood? And what kind of impact could we have 
But this, was, this is what I wrote yesterday. God, I'm believing that you are in this and that you've called us to this. If you've called us, you'll provide for us. I believe that this to be true and will continue to trust you. Even though I'm struggling at times, and this is probably the most difficult prayers to pray, God, I trust you to provide because that is what you've promised you will do. I don't know about you, but that seems like a different Josh. It's a level of trust in the midst of those things. Because like Peter, when that, when that invitation is presented to ourselves, and it can be little things. It's typically where Jesus starts with most of us. It's the little things. And then they get bigger and bigger and bigger as we walk with Jesus. But let's look at, at Peter's response and see what we can learn from it. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. But, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats full that they began to sink. Sink. When Simon Peter saw this, the proper response, he fell at Jesus' feet. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished to the catch of fish they had taken. And so were J James and John, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners, and then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. They pulled up their boats to the shore and left everything and followed him. Jesus promises us that he's going to work out all things for those who love him. Now, what he doesn't promise, he's going to work out all things the way that we want them to be worked out for those who love him. But he is going to work out those things for your best good. Because for your best good is for his best kingdom. They come aligned. But it starts with us choosing to trust God. And trusting God never gets easier. Because what we're going to be trusting God for only gets bigger and bigger. And this is the part that if we don't choose to trust God now with the little things, we're not going to get the opportunity to trust God with the bigger things. And as I look through my own journey from, from September, I was praying prayers about me. God, what could you do for me? God, how can you provide for me? God, how are you going to intervene in this situation for me? And as God worked on my heart over the last nine months, man, have those prayers changed. Sure, I still have the needs, don't get me wrong. Jesus still needs to intervene and provide, but at the same time, man, have the dreams grown. I can trust him with the little things. I can trust that he'll provide. I can trust he'll take care of me. I'm not worried about those things. I can trust he'll provide for, for Hill City and, and, and get us through these next seasons of ministry as, as we're still fighting to survive and become a full-fledged church. But now it's, it's what, what does this community need? So let me share you some dreams I feel like God's given me. And I have no idea how these dreams are going to come to fruition. These are just dreams. 
but this, the, or this building next door is the guy that owns it. His name's Ben. Um, seems to be fond of us for whatever reason. We thought he was a, a Ben, if you ever listen to this sermon, no offense, buddy. Uh, but we thought he was like a, 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 what's the word? A chop shop. <laughs> and he still might be, I don't actually know. Uh, but he's a, he's a super nice guy. And he's the one that actually called us to let us know the building was flooding uh, last week or two weeks ago, whenever that was. And um, I want to buy his building from him. Uh, and I want to put inside that building a, a no-cost grocery store for this community. Because my thesis is this community would benefit from a place where they could go get and actually shop in a regular grocery store and, and not feel the shame of not being able to provide for their families. Um, down here on the end, there's a big open building. Uh, I want to put a, a after-school program in that building for the school. Because here's my thesis. Majority of this neighborhood probably work, both parents, if they're in the home, work two jobs. And their kids are going home to empty houses and having to figure out how to do homework on their own. And if we can provide a place where there's tutors and people that love them well, a place where they can be safe until their parents get home, that'd be a win. Also in this neighborhood, I want to put in a counseling center. Not just, prov- not just provide all the regular counseling service like any counseling center would, but also provide services to those that can't afford them. How do we actually get people healthy so they can find hope? How to get them to those places? And these are dreams I would never have had nine months ago. I was selfish nine months ago. And dreams have changed. Now, I don't know how God's going to do any of these things. And I'm not completely sure God's in the midst of all those dreams. Um, But if he is, he's going to bring it to fruition. See, just like Peter's life, he made a choice in this moment. He made more and more choices over and over again to trust God. And we see the impact that he got to have on the kingdom. How many people, how many Jews came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and the Messiah that they've been waiting for because of Peter's ministry? And the impact that he had. And we know if you follow Peter's story, his story eventually ends at crucifixion. I don't think I trust God enough for crucifixion, crucifixion, to be all honest. It's going to be a freak out moment. I'm not saying that's where our story is going to end. We do live in a different time. But at the same time, like that's a level of faith that I do aspire to. I do desire, as we all should. Like We want that type of faith. We want Hill, Hill City to dream crazy big dreams. That we look at and say, there's no way a small little congregation could ever accomplish that thing. But my God's bigger than that. My God could see that through. That's simple and easy for him. He doesn't have to flex a muscle to make that true. Paul tells us, Peter tells us in different ways in, in their own letters to the church. That you don't receive because you don't ask. You don't receive because it's, it's, it's all about you. We want to dream big dreams, faith-sized dreams. We're able to say, man, look what God has done. We had a conversation in, in the men's group this week um, as, as the groups came together. And we were talking about, like, what are we selling? And I know that's a weird way to present it, but that's how the conversation went. Of, like, what are we selling? Like, as others look at our life and, and look at our life with Jesus, well, what are we selling to them? In all reality, it's probably a belief system, an idea that we believe. Well, you're surviving pretty good without, without Jesus. Like, why do I need that? To, to have rules on my life? Now, you want to see a group of people make a difference in a community, in a city, in a state, and in a nation? It's the faith that lives inside of them of what could be. Hard to argue with a, with a boat full of fish. Hard to argue when God performs those types of miracles. 
somewhere along in one of these journals, I wrote down, don't be scared of the miraculous, expect it. And that's weird for me to say. I come from a conservative Southern Baptist church. We didn't even talk about the spirit, let alone miracles happening today. But that's who God is. And that's what God wants to bring to Hill City, to this community, and to this neighborhood. He's going to do it through us. But it starts with asking him for these things. It starts with prayer. It starts with getting on our knees and praying for God. So here's the challenge for Hill City. On July 8th, when we're all camping, hopefully we're all camping. If you don't plan on going camping, come with us. If you don't have supplies to go camping, let us know. We'll make sure you get supplies. We want to go camping with you. Uh, If you come here on that Sunday, the 9th, you're going to be all by yourself and outside because the doors are still going to be locked. Um, But come camping with us. But and you don't, even if you're not camping with us, you can still participate in this. But I want to do 24 hours of prayer from 12 a.m. to 11.59 and 59 seconds p.m. Uh, I, want, I want Hill City to be praying. That might seem like a lot. Like I have to pray for a whole hour. You do have to pray for a whole hour. You're like I've never prayed for an hour. Most of us haven't. And that's okay. Um, But we'll give you a guide of what to walk through and what to pray through. And we'll give you enough content to to pray for an hour. But I want to pray for an hour. So write down this website. Uh, We'll put it up on the website later or tomorrow. And we'll send an email as well. So if you don't forget it. But 24hours.hillcity.church is where you can go to to sign up and grab a slot. Um, There'll be a bunch of slots on there. One for every hour. Um, As it gets filled up and you're like, hey, I want to pray more than once. Grab as many spots as you think you can pray for. If you... Don't be overambitious, though. We'd rather, you know, someone actually praying during that hour than take the spot and not pray. Um, that'd, be, that'd be pretty rough. Um, but we do want to be praying. Um, so from 12 a.m. to 12 p.m., uh, Hill City's going to pray for 24 hours straight. Um, so grab as you see fit. Um, it won't fill in right away when you grab and fill out the form, but it will come in a little bit after that. Um, and as we start filling in those spots, we'll, we'll send out another call of like, hey, here's three or four spots that still need to get filled in. Um, and we'll pray together. Um, as we stand in unity, asking God to do the miraculous. Um, one, for God, provision for Hill City, right? We do have provision. We do have needs uh, here at Hill City. Uh, but also, God, what could be? What could be in my life? How could you use me? What could be in Hill City's life? How could you use Hill City? And we want to start praying big, audacious dreams. So I highly encourage you to join with us, even if it sounds intimidating, even if it sounds scary. Even if you're a place with God where you're just angry at God. You're like, God, the last thing I want to do is spend an hour with you. Um, take, take the risk, take the chance. Because I firmly believe God will meet you in those places. He meets us when we get that, pre- that presentation to trust him. Uh, he meets us in those places, so let's trust him and, and pray big, big prayers. Let me pray for us, and we'll keep going in the service. Lord Jesus, God, I, I, I thank you. God, more than anything, I thank you. God, that you call us to trust you. Because in the midst of that trust, we get to see your power. God, we get to find peace. God, we get to to dig into the hard things of life, not because that's what we want to do, but God, the freedom that's on the other side of it because of you. God, when you present those opportunities to us, those invitations to trust you, God, teach us how to to be people that that jump on that opportunity to trust you. Um, God, as individuals, but also collectively as Hill City. God, we love you. God, we thank you that you call us to bigger and grander things. And God, I just I can't wait to see what you do and continue to do here among our community, among our own hearts. 
as we chase after you. God, we love you. And we thank you for meeting with us today, speaking to our hearts today. And God, more than anything, just create a desperation in us to love you more. In your son's precious name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Thank you.